TBT keeps on winning. So what are the expectations and chances they could win the whole thing and $1 million plus key battles at fall camp as that starts next week? And Neil and I are going to give you the best case and worst case scenarios for the Bearcats in 2023. You are locked on Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. so much for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. It's free and available wherever you listen to podcasts, including if you watch us on YouTube. And if you do, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and follow us to get an alert every time that we drop a new episode. My name is Alex Frank, your host each and every day here on Lockdown Bearcats. It's part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Thursday, July 27th. We are, how, how many days away are we now? 37, I believe, 37 days away from the season opener for the Cincinnati Bearcats in 2023. Neil Meyer of the front office news back again, joining me today here on Lockdown Bearcats as we gear up for fall camp. But we are also gearing up for the continuation of what's been an incredible summer run for TBT, now advancing to the Elite Eight Monday night at UD Arena. Neil, you were there on Monday when they crushed the program for autism. When you watch this team play, are you starting to get the sense that, you know what, maybe they can win this whole thing? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you can see it here as of recent that this nasty natty team is capable of winning this whole TBT tournament. And what's crazy is they're doing it without guys like Trey Scott and Keith Williams who were originally on the roster but have not been available for this TBT run. So, I mean, you got to think about that. They lose a guy in Trey Scott who probably could have been the arguably the best player in the front court within this whole tournament. And next thing you know, you see a guy like Marquez Letcher Ellis just emerge from – out of nowhere, basically. Not many people knew of him. I mean, we knew of his game a little bit because we followed him along. He's Kevin Johnson's cousin, who's the uh, GM of the Nasty Natty squad. And, I mean, Marquez Letcher Ellis, I mean, he's been living rent-free above the rim, it seems like, here to kick off this TBT run. I mean, the other night he had seven blocks. I mean, and some of them made you kind of sit back and you're like, geez, she really got up there. And, I mean, there were some, like, Alex, he was maybe about 11 feet up there. He was about a foot above the rim on one or two of them. And he's just rim presence was huge uh, between him and Mamadou DR. I mean, it's really tough to get even get anything going there near the rim for opposing teams. But then you have guys like Jaron Cumberland and Jacob Evans. Jaron Cumberland's playing like the TBT MVP right now and is the front runner for it. In my opinion, he's leading all scorers with almost 26 points per game in this tournament. So, I mean, and he's just getting started, I feel like. And then Jacob Evans didn't shoot the ball the best the other night, and he got eight for 20 from the field, but still finished with 23 points. So, if they can keep that offense scoring at a high level, it's going to be huge for this Nasty Natties team. They'll get the winner of the Dayton Regional on Monday up at UD Arena. Kevin Johnson did kind of tease that they might have one or two surprises coming in next week. So, no one really knows on what he's uh, meaning by that, but sounds like uh, 
there might be some surprises heading in for this nasty natty team heading into next week's contest on Monday night at UD Arena. Yeah, how about that? And isn't it nice to hear the word offense associated with Cincinnati basketball? I mean, it feels like we haven't really talked about those two things as synonymous with each other over the last, what, 30 years of Cincinnati basketball and TBT. So it's nice to hear that. So the TBT, and we recorded this episode. You're listening to this on Thursday. We recorded this yesterday. And at the time, the Dayton region, as you mentioned, you know, it hadn't started. So the Bearcats can play one of eight teams. Red Scare, Indiana Rising, Carmen's Crew, Team Overtime, Team Colorado, Men of Mackey, Friday Beers, and Athletics Miami. That is the teams in the Dayton region the Bearcats could play on Monday night. Um, who is... I'll ask you this question first. Who is the energizer on this team? The energizer is Marquez Letcher Ellis. I mean, just by the way he's played, he's a high flyer guy. He's a quiet guy. But when he gets talking, he gets comfortable. You can see it. And I mean, Mamadou Diara brings great energy as well. So I think those two guys are guys who really bring the energy for this team. But as Jacob Evans said the other night, uh, so Jacob Evans foregoed his senior year, got drafted first round for people who don't know by Golden State. Yeah. And he didn't get the opportunity to play with Jaron Cumberland in college. So now that he's got that opportunity, he, we asked him the other night, he called Jaron Cumberland his favorite teammate he's ever played with because of the way Jaron Cumberland brings his energy to the floor. Jacob said just the way Jaron's energy goes, it makes him want to bounce off each other and it just turns on Jacob's uh, motor there and, it's just that sparks an exciting tandem. So Jaron Cumberland is also another guy with the high energy. And I mean, you've seen what those two have been able to do here in this TBT tournament. So this team's got a lot of energy and a lot of momentum heading into Monday night's contest. No question. It sure sounds like it. Is it significant? Because like this obviously doesn't count towards a program season or something along those lines, but is this significant what's happening with TBT and the three games they've won, the fact that they're three wins away from winning the basketball tournament? Is is it significant, Neil, to Cincinnati, Cincinnati basketball? What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, you're looking back at some of the guys who are on this team. I mean, uh, Trey Scott, who's on the original roster, was getting a lot of attention there in the G League. Jacob Evans was a first-round draft pick at one point. Jaron Cumberland played a lot of – uh, minutes in the G League. He bounced around from a few teams. Then you have guys like Mamadou Diara, who also just recently spent time in the G League. And Marquez Lecherellis has been playing over in Chile. Uh, I mean, just looking at the roster, I mean, this is – and Troy Copain's been playing overseas, and he's been dominating. So, I mean, you're looking at this roster. This is a team with a lot of experience and a team that's won a lot of ball games at the University of Cincinnati. I mean, you look back at some of those teams – Troy Copain seasons, Jacob Evans seasons. I mean, that was a team that lost, what, maybe five games the one year with Jacob Evans? That's a team that's very impressive, though. This is a team that's got a lot of history. I mean, Jaron Cumberland was an All-American at one point. So you also got to throw that factor in there. So this is a team that's very exciting, as we mentioned. No question about it. I mean, I just think about what if Jacob Evans had stayed and played that 2018-2019 season? How good that team could have been. You mentioned all the talent that surrounds him. Guys like Mamadou Diara. I mean, we forget how good he was towards the end of his career. And then you think about other guys like Kashmir Wright. And you think about Jaron Cumberland, who just had that mentality if he was there to destroy you. And the alpha mentality of when the Bearcats needed a bucket. I mean, how many times, Neil, in his career 
in his last two seasons when the Bearcats needed a bucket late. He was the one who just got the ball and said, get out of my way. I got this. So really cool to see all that talent come together as the Nasty Natty is in the Elite Eight Monday night at UD Arena opponent to be determined. Up next, fall camp begins next week. We've got key fall camp battles, but not the one that you think. We'll get into those next on Lockdown Bearcats. Today's episode of Lockdown Bearcats is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. You know, these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager or like a Big 12 basketball game for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available, and that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs because LinkedIn Jobs will help you find the right people for your team faster and for free. I have plenty of experience with LinkedIn Jobs, and I'm a sports director at Bearcast Media. It's so easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs, then adding your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that, yes, you're hiring. It's simple tools like screening questions that make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Right now, post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Thanks again for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen of every day. This is our last show this week because this is our last week that we are at three days a week. We go back to five next week, and what a way to kick off next week. Monday, we've got the voice of the Bearcats and the Bengals, Dan Horde, on all things Bearcats football. His top storylines and battles going into fall camp. And, of course, we'll ask him what he's seen from Bengals training camp as well. You can also check out our good friends James Rapine and Jake Lisko of Locked On Bengals. They will recap, excuse me, day one of Bengals training camp yesterday on today's show. And, of course, you can check out Jeff Carr and Stephen Offenbaker from Locked On Reds as they break down the Reds' recent series against the Milwaukee Brewers, the final series between the two teams battling for the NL Central title this season. We like to promote all the Locked On Sports Cincinnati shows on this podcast. Neil Meyer of the Front Office News joining me today. And, um, Neil, fall camp starts next week. Obviously, there's a lot of battles, but I was thinking about this recently. For only the second time in what feels like several years. One of the battles that we won't have to spend a lot of time on is the quarterback battle. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's something that was a battle in spring ball when Emory Jones transferred in and Ben Bryant was still here on campus before he transferred out. So, I mean, as you mentioned, this is one of the first time in recent years that they are not having to worry about a quarterback battle. And I think this might be the first time since I've been on the beat that there wasn't a quarterback battle. And I've been on the beat since 2020. I know they had the battle with Dez before the Peach Bowl season with Ben Bryant there. Dez won that battle. And then they had the battle in 2020 or 2021. Dez was the guy in 2021. And then last year you had the uh, quarterback battle with uh, Ben Bryant and Evan Prater. Ben Bryant won that job. So, this is arguably this is going to probably be the second time in my four years on the beat where there is a uh, you don't have to worry about the quarterback battle and I mean it's it's a huge topic to know about 
especially now the quarterback battle. We saw how it played out through the spring. I thought it was a close battle through the spring, but Ben Bryant ultimately decides to transfer to Northwestern, leading Emory, uh, leaving Emory Jones as your number one guy at the quarterback position following the move of Evan Prater to the wide receiver. So you talk about it, it it's going to be one that's really going to draw a lot of attention. Yes, but it's not something that's going to be the main focus because everybody knows Emory Jones is probably going to be the guy for this season. Yeah, and we'll have more on this next week and why it's so great that the Bearcats only have um, – they know, rather, who their quarterback is going into the season and what that can do for an offense that is going to have a lot of new pieces. When you look at this offense, Neil, running backs, we know who they have. Offensive line, we think we know who the starting five is going to be, but are there any battles you're going to be watching for at, at off at the offensive line and the wide receiver position? How about the tight end? Like, I feel like those three positions, and maybe running back in terms of who's going to start, those are what you're going to be focusing on. Is that what is that where I'm getting? Yeah, absolutely. And I think we talk about this offensive line. I mean, this is an offensive line that lost five years of starters at every position just about. I, you saw Jake Renfro was probably, I believe, the youngest guy on that offensive line before he got injured last season. So then Gavin Gerhardt filled in. Jacob's now at Wisconsin. And look at everybody else. I mean, you had to really hit the transfer portal there with, at that offensive line position. And there's, they still added pieces after spring ball. You go out and you get DeAndre Buford from Kentucky. And, I mean, I haven't got the chance to see him in person yet because of it. the addition came after spring ball. So – Overall, the offensive line, I mean, we think we might know what the pieces are going to be, but you never know until fall camp comes because once fall camp comes, you really get to kind of see those guys in that position with the ones, with the twos, then they'll figure it all out. But the offensive line is definitely going to be a position uh, position group you watch, just knowing you got a new quarterback back there, you have a new system, everything surrounding that offense there. The tight end position, as you mentioned, uh, Joey Beljan sustained an injury during uh, spring ball. So he's missed most of spring ball. So didn't get a definite timetable on it, but he suffered an injury. So he missed most of the spring ball. But then you also got to think of that was a huge addition for Scott Satterfield, a Western Kentucky, um, former Western Kentucky guy, a big frame, a red zone target, as we've seen, six foot, uh, six foot five guy who's freakish athletic can go up and get it. But then you also got a guy in, uh, Shaman Mateer at the tight end who has hands of a wide receiver and can really do a lot of different things. I mean, his size is great, but I mean, you never see a guy, a tight end running that's six foot five, six foot six at 230, 240 with the size and the frame of Shaman Mateer with great hands running 21 miles an hour like he did wow. in this offseason, 20, 21 that's miles an hour. So you got to think about that. Like, he's a huge weapon. We saw it in the spring game two seasons ago, and we, we all know the potential that Shaman Mateo brings. A lot of people that I've talked to are really high on him, myself included. I think the sky's going to be the limit for uh, Shaman Mateo this season. I think he's going to have a great role in the offense. But then the wide receiver room. I mean, man, that's a wide receiver room where you have a lot of veteran guys and experienced guys in Donovan Ollie, Sterling Burkhalter, D. Wiggins. And then they also go out and get a couple other guys in the transfer portal. I mean, you still have Chris Scott, the only returner from a season ago, but the wide receiver room is going to be a group to keep an eye on. I mean, Leslie Ando was a guy who was a walk-on who stood out in spring ball too. And then you bring in guys like Barry Jackson, who had 
is a true freshman, like an early enrollee freshman who made a lot of ter uh, terrific plays in spring ball and really made his case in the spring ball to have really put coaches on the map. So, I mean, Barry Jackson's another one to keep an eye on. So that wide receiver room, I mean, yeah, they have some big time guys in those guys like we mentioned in Donovan, Ollie, D Wiggins, Sterling Burkhalter, and a couple others. And you just think about it. This is an offense that retooled everything from a season ago. So it's going to be a fun, a fun fall camp there, especially on the offense line. Cause I think people know what they're getting with the defense but the offense is really what a lot of people are starting to question. But I think I think it'll be a fun battle at all those positions heading into fall camp next week. Most people I talk to say the same thing that you just said, Neil. They know what they're going to get defensively. And this is exactly what Dan Hoare told me. And you and I were both at the spring game. And I asked Dan this question. And I he said I asked him, what do you think? What do you think of this year's team? He says, defensively, they're going to be really good. Offensively. We have no idea. Is that a bad thing? No. Is it a good thing? Maybe it is. Maybe it is. Real quick, are, are you watching for anything defensively? Are there any battles are you watching on the defensive side of the ball? The defensive battle, I wouldn't really consider it a battle. The thing I'm going to be keeping an eye on most heading into fall camp is the linebacker room for one, obviously Jack Dingle stepping in there. And then you have a guy in Dorian Jones who's transferred in from Louisville. And those are two key positions. I mean, you're replacing a consensus All-American and Ivan Pace. How do they replace him? But then you also got to think something to keep an eye on is Deshaun Pace moving from that linebacker position to the defensive back position. And how does his athleticism really play to his strengths? I mean, Deshaun Pace is a guy who's freakishly athletic and can do a lot of different things. And it's going to be interesting to see how he drops back to that star position and what he's able to do and accomplish out of that position. No question about it. That's one thing that I really want to see is Deshaun Pace and his new role where he's going to be able to do more things than he maybe has in the previous two seasons. All right. So I mentioned that we don't really know what the offense is going to look like and if that's a bad thing, which is not. Is it a good thing? Well, it actually might be. And I'm going to go back to one point that I have made this entire offseason. We'll get to that next on Lockdown Bearcats, along with best and worst case scenarios for the Bearcats in 2023. Neil Meyer of the front office news at MeyerNeil6 on Twitter. Joining me today, I'm Alex Frank, host of Lockdown Bearcats, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. So I'm at the... Uh, Neil, I'm at the Columbus Clippers game on Tuesday night with the UC Alumni Association up here in Columbus, and I'm talking to I'm talking to fans or alumni, and just to kind of see where they are with Scott Satterfield, the Big Twelve. I mean, there's a lot happening right now at Cincinnati, and the perspective that I have always gotten from the people I talk to is, I don't know what this team is going to look like. And I've said, and others I've talked to have said this, I need to see them play a game before I can make any definitive conclusions. That's where I'm at with Scott Satterfield. Even though my expectations and how I feel about him have actually gone up in terms of good, feeling good about him. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, absolutely. I think the expectations are feeling great for Scott Satterfield. I really... I've been impressed with what he's been able to do 
throughout the spring and what he's been able to put together. I mean, obviously, it's never easy coming to a new school and everything, but this is a school where, thankfully, it's only an hour and a half up the road from his prior school in Louisville. So, I mean, he really has put together a great staff, especially in the – you've heard a lot about the staff that they put together with Brian Brown, strength and conditioning coach Nico Palazziotti. Uh, if I butchered that, I am very sorry, Coach Nico. But you heard a lot about the credit the strength coaches and all these other coaches have gotten. But that's huge. That is huge. And, I mean, you look at it. I know we talked about it at Big 12 Media Days. You have to be impressed with what he's doing. I mean, Jawan Briggs gave all the credit in the world to Coach Nico. Uh, Jawan Briggs played last season at 325 for people who don't know, and he's down to 320. Or not even 320. I think it's 300. So he's down to 300. He's lost 20, uh, 20 pounds roughly in this offseason. Pardon me for that. So, I mean, that's huge. And that's huge for this defense. And Dante Corleone even mentioned it too, that Coach Nico wanted him to be a, a quote-unquote big lean machine. And – Dante Corleone says he's in some great shape. I mean, Coach Satterfield said he's moving like a linebacker out there. So, I mean, that's great. And I, I've been very impressed with what Coach Satterfield and his staff has done so far in their quick seven months here at the University of Cincinnati. But it's going to be a very exciting time for what uh, is ahead of them come this fall. No question about it. I mean, you mentioned the defensive line and guys – who have slimmed out and the fact that you could have a lot more speed on that defensive line playing in an up-tempo conference like the Big 12. And going back to the offensive side of the ball, Neil, it's one thing that I was told or someone mentioned to me on Tuesday night, and that is they're excited for the potential that is there with the Bearcats offense because of how good they were at Louisville and because we now have a definitive answer at quarterback in Emory Jones. So I'm going to ask you to give your best and worst case scenarios for 2023 when it comes to the Cincinnati Bearcats team. Yeah. So best case scenario, I think they finished top five in the league. If they can put all the pieces together, obviously top five is huge, especially surrounding the gauntlet of teams within the big 12. But if they can get all the pieces there, they can get the production out of the key pieces they brought in and that offense really gets clicking, I can maybe see top five, top six. But worst case scenario, I don't I don't see them finishing any worse than 10th in the conference. I don't. And okay. I was one who voted at them at ninth in the preseason polls. But, I mean, if Emory Jones plays like what he did at Florida and really gets – I mean, we also got to think about this factor with Emory Jones. He was at Florida – transferred out after he lost the starting job. And I mean, he's opened up about the struggles he had at Florida and the struggles he had at Arizona state. I mean, we thought Arizona state was going to be the fit for Emory Jones. And I mean, he gets out there not even two weeks into the season, Herm Edwards is fired. He loses his whole coaching staff just about. So now that he's had a whole six, seven months here in Cincinnati, he's had that off season. He's had that time compared to just the recent months. I mean, when he transferred to Arizona state, as we mentioned, on the last episode, he was only out there for like right after spring ball. So just just enough time to get wrapped up to speed and all that ahead of the season. But a full offseason with Emory Jones, learning the system, he, he knows he's the guy. It, it's huge, especially coming into a program like Cincinnati with all the momentum around the Big 12. I mean, 
people forget Emory Jones played in the SEC and was a starting quarterback in the SEC. So he's played in some big-time games, big-time rivalries. He knows the environment. He knows what's ahead of him and what's at stake. But overall, I mean, if that offense can get clicking, it's going it's going to be a fun offense to watch. I yeah. mean, yeah, you're losing a lot of guys in Tyler Scott, Trey Tucker, Josh Wiley, Leonard Taylor, but the pieces they have on offense have put together some great seasons in college football. I know D Wiggins has had some great time, great numbers down at Louisville. He also played at Miami of Florida. And then you got to think of guys like Sterling Burkhalter, who's been dominant at NC uh, A&T. And then you also bring in a guy like Donovan Ollie, who's a baller at Washington state the last few years, put up almost a thousand yards out there. So, I mean, these guys that they went out and got in the portal, have been huge. And then you also bring a guy in Aaron Turner on the offensive side in that slot position who has such a unique skill set, even though he's a little undersized at five foot seven, but blazing speed, dangerous in the open field. So the offense is there. I, you know, Scott Satterfield has been known to run the ball and loves to run the ball. So, I mean, Corey Kiner, Miles Montgomery, Ryan Montgomery, who's ever back there in the backfield is going to get some touches and it's going to be huge. So, I think if they can get that run game and that passing game gelling like how Coach Satterfield has in the past at Louisville, this team's going to be fun to watch, and it's going to surprise a lot of people. I, I think that that's what I'm most excited about is if the offense comes together like you like you just talked about and if how I'm envisioning it, there's, there's going to be an element of fun to this offense that hasn't been here maybe, well, I think since 2021, but like I just think about – the scheme that Satterfield's going to implement, and I just think about the players that he has and the fact that there is no definitive scouting report, I think, on any of these guys because they haven't seen the field in game action. And you add in Evan Prater, a wide receiver. I mean, that is an element that I don't think we're nearly talking about enough, and that's going to be something that we talk about on this show next week. Real quick, we're uh, approaching 30 minutes, so I want to ask you. So, uh, Bengals training camp got underway yesterday, and our good friends James Rupi and Jake Lisko covering for covering it for you all over at Locked On Bengals. I did my pre-training camp Super Bowl predictions, Neil, yesterday, and I have the Bengals winning the Super Bowl, but I have a surprise team in the NFC making the Super Bowl. Do you have any guesses who that team is? Out of the NFC. Are you going to go with the New Orleans Saints? Now? I am going with the New Orleans Saints. With the uh, change there at quarterback, you think Derek Carr can lead them out there? There's a change at quarterback, and you look at their receivers, Neil. Michael Thomas, he's healthy and back this year. Chris Olave, we know what he can do. He was a rookie last year coming out of Ohio State, and we know he had a tremendous career up, up here in Columbus. And then you add in Rashid Shahid. And, oh, by the way, Neil, they just signed a veteran tight end who knows a thing or two about playing for the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, they just signed Jimmy Graham back too, so might be a little, little fun reunion down there in New Orleans. If you had, to, if you had to give your Super Bowl Super Bowl pick right now, who would you who would you go with? Super Bowl predictions right now. I can't go with Kansas City out of the AFC just because losing a key piece in Orlando Brown on that offensive line. He was the glue for Pat Mahomes, I feel like, up there up front in terms of keeping that protection in that pocket clean. If I'm going with the AFC right now, I would go with the Bengals, but I do have my questions of how do they refill Jesse Bates. Okay. 
that's been my biggest concern heading in the offseason is how does Dax Hill and those guys step into the role of a guy like Jesse Bates. But if then if you're going out of the NFC, dang, that's a tough one. That is a tough one. I, I do like your prediction of the Saints making a run. I do, but there's a lot of good teams in the NFC that could really make a run. So that's that's huge. But I, I would have to go with the Eagles running it back out okay. that far. Eagles or 49ers running it back that far. All right, fair enough. And a wide open NFC, you feel like. Maybe the Big 12 will be that wide open come this September. We're getting close. We're getting very close. We're back to five days a week next week. Thank you to all of you, our everyday listeners who have stayed with us through the off season. And uh, we will, of course, welcome you back next week when we are up to five days a week. This was also, and uh, there's talks going on about Neil, you becoming a co-host here on Lockdown Bearcats. This was another audition and we'll have many more potentially next week, maybe TBT in the final four to talk about. So uh, always great, Neil, to have you on on t- at Twitter at MeyerNeil6. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, all right? Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks for having me on. This is always a good time. Right. So yes. hopefully the Bearcats fans are continuing to check us out. Absolutely. I'm on Twitter, Frankie underscore Natty. Instagram, AlexFrankNet underscore email, Alex3Frank at gmail.com. Have a great weekend. Back on Monday with Dan Horde, the voice of the Bearcats and Bengals. Right here on Lockdown Bearcats. It is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.